With your connection to local agriculture, I'm Joanna Guza. Pete Dupengeiser is the Central U.S. Manager for ST Genetics, and he's based out of Fond du Lac. And I asked him to kick off our conversation talking about some of the focus areas that ST Genetics is focusing on in 2023. So with, with ST Genetics, we're focusing on uh, really genetic creation as it can lead to profitability on dairies. And so what that really means is we're trying to really push things that drive profitability, such as combined fat and protein. We want a lot of pounds of protein per cow, pounds of fat per cow. That's what dairymen get paid for. So we're trying to do that with really healthy cows. So we're emphasizing health traits and production traits in order to do that. And the other area is really the beef area because it's certainly a profit center for dairies. When they implement the beef on dairy strategy, where they're really looking at a sexed and beef model, it, it can really help drive profitability because those beef calves are valuable. And when you talk about maybe more about the components of the the butter and the protein that you were mentioning, is there a certain breed that you're noticing or is it a combined mixed version of breeds that are the best for those components? Certainly what we see out there is the Holstein breed and the Jersey breed as the most dominant breeds, but all breeds have their place. We've seen tremendous advances in the Holstein breed because of the number of genomic tested animals. It's just incredible the genetic progress we've been able to make with the Holstein breed. You know, we used to, five, ten years ago, we would see, you know, maybe a 90-pound herd with 3.5 butterfat and 2.8 protein was incredible. And today we're seeing herds at 100 pounds of milk with 4.5 butterfat and 3.6 protein. Just, just incredible. And, uh, I think the opportunities are amazing. The Jersey breed has come a long way, and now we're seeing a lot of crossbred. We're working on some some crossbred uh, models, too, where we have F1, so a Holstein Jersey cross on a Holstein Jersey bull. So that's another thing that people are, you know, they're taking the best of both breeds, that hybrid vigor, the reduced stature from from the Jersey, maybe some of the feed efficiency with the tremendous volume from the Holsteins and seeing the best of both worlds. When someone's looking at their genetic program, this all takes time before they're actually seeing results. What do you try to tell a farm that they need to be a little bit more patient, but what is the timeline for when they implement uh, a new breeding program? Yeah, I think we can really use a lot of the tools we have today to show them where they have been. So to give them more confidence about where we're trying to get them. So we can look back and say, here's the progress you've made with the genetic program that you've on you've been on emphasizing the things that you've emphasized whatever that is and here's the program we think you can use to you know you're not going to see those heifers for two years right or three years really from the time you use the semen so yeah I, I understand there's a confidence that has to be built there but I think with some of the tools we have we can look back and show them what the future can look like. And Pete, I know I've heard so much about beef on dairy, and now it kind of seems like every farm you go to, everyone's using their lower, like lower grade cattle, and they're breeding them to beef. What are some common mistakes or misconceptions that you see or hear with the beef on dairy, and some issues people maybe have? The first one is that we're just going to have so much beef. We're going to flood the market. We're going to really dilute out the value of these beef calves. And I don't really think that's true because cows are all calving. They were calving before, right? They're just having, instead of a black and white calf, a Holstein calf, now they're having a beef calf. And the total pounds of meat tends to be a little bit less as well, you know. So I don't I don't see that happening. What it does do is it gives them an opportunity to shift their genetics 
and use their best females to make the next generation. So we look at the best males, the best females to make that next generation. And we just make tremendous genetic progress while also taking advantage of a beef calf that's really valued by the consumer and brings more financial gain into the dairy. So someone that's been doing beef on dairy for a few years now, what advice do you have for them to step up their game with their genetic testing to have make sure their beef cattle are even you know higher, higher quality? We are putting a tremendous amount of resources into our beef program because we really believe that the genetics we've seen in the Holstein or Jersey side is going to be valued the same way on the beef side. Not all beef bulls are created equal, like not all dairy bulls are created equal. So we're really doing a lot of work on that side to try to build a profitability index so that dairyman can say, hey, this is the best beef bull to use for me. Whether and, it, and it's different. Am I selling baby calves? Am I selling 400 pounders? Am I finishing? Those decisions you make about what bull you use is going to be different. But the market is seeing especially in the feed efficiency area, they see different value, you know, so they want different genetics. When we're at the sale barn, what are the buyers looking for, especially when someone's new to the beef on dairy, bringing a new a beef cattle into the sale barn? What, what should they know when they're walking into that for the first time? Well, I think what's interesting is these, these crosses, these Holstein beef crosses are grading tremendously like they are really high percentage 90 plus percent choice and prime so that's it's tremendous like that's really great but what we're really seeing drives things is feed efficiency and yield like they have to be big enough though you know that they get paid for pounds of meat at the end of the day so we're finding that's what's really driving their profitability so we got to make sure we have enough size with with still not compromising calving ease on their dairies what is the common beef breed that's paired with a Holstein cow? I think the most prevalent one is certainly Angus. We see that because Angus is, you know, we all know Angus is very prevalent out there. Angus is is what the, the public knows as well. So that's that's probably the most prevalent breed. Some Angus is also very popular, especially on the Jersey breed because you have a little bit more frame size. But other breeds are some really good niche markets that, you know, um, whether it's Limo or Charlet or whatever, that are valued out there too. And you just have to, you have to do your homework as to where am I at with my buyer? What's he going to value? Where am I going to get the best return? When it comes to beef, what are some other aspects that are the value added uh, with beef farms? You know, we are really working with our customers to help them sit down at the table with whoever their buyer is and say, this is the genetics we're using. What's the best fit for you as a buyer? Where can we get the most money? What What do you value? Uh, do we need to be using beef bulls that sire bigger yearling weights or, you know, what whatever it is? that helps them capture more dollars. But it has to be good for everybody. It has to be good for that end user. It has to be good for the dairyman as well. So having those conversations about tailoring the genetics to make the most valuable product is really important. And this is me just from growing up on a dairy farm. What is a value added for a beef cow? Like you just talked about size of it, but what else? I know marbling may be another one. What are some other qualities for value added? Yeah, so I think what's really valued is certainly yield grading. Um, they, they need to be choice and prime. Uh, ribeye area is very important. Marbling is extremely important. Those are all things we're looking at. I think what we're finding, though, is... The marbling is a really valuable trait in the formula, 
However, there's not that much difference. We're, they're all marbling up really, really well, these Holstein Angus crosses. So, you know, maybe it isn't, I'm not saying it's not valuable, but there's not so much difference. So maybe it's not something that we have to put as much emphasis on as some of the other traits. When it comes to selling a beef calf, when is the prime time or what has been the most popular that you've seen in the market? When you're selling these beef calves, most dairymen, especially if they're larger, they they just don't have the ability to handle so many. So they want to get rid of them just as quickly as they can. You know, there's they just don't have to have the labor to deal with them for a week or two weeks. Um, certainly, I think there's probably uh, rewards if you can keep them to 400 pounds or finish them out. But we see a lot of dairymen that are just doing a really nice job with the right you know, giving colostrum and taking really good care of those calves at birth and marketing them very quickly. When it comes to genomic testing, how are how do farms pair genomic testing with beef on dairy? So we have some really good dairies that are genomic testing all their females and then selecting whether whether it's by a combined fat and protein cutoff and that merit cutoff or some uh, combination of both and saying, okay, I need to make so many females for my dairy and we help them come up with that number based on the number of cows they have or their growth decisions or whatever it is and then we can tailor that program to say we're going to draw a hard line this is our best genetic females we're going to mate them to the best genetic males and we're only going to make the next generation from them the rest are going to get bred to beef and it just accelerates genetic progress. For those that aren't familiar with genomic testing, can you describe what it is? Yeah, so basically you're taking a tissue sample, looking at the DNA, and so that we can look at, you know, numerous traits, more than we'd ever want to, you know, see or discuss, just an enormous amount of data. But then we compare it down to the things that the dairyman finds valuable, you know, whether it's GTPI or net merit or combined fat and protein, productive life, some of the health traits, DPR, and then tailor that to say, okay, I'm going to put emphasis with my maternal side to drive the genetics that I want for my herd in the future by using that data. I feel like the genetic industry has just taken off and just been a game changer. What do you think is going to happen in the next five years in the genetic world? What are going to be some of those next big tech advancements that you could share with us? Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine even, you know, looking at where we've been in five years, how far we've come to where we can go. I think the next three to five years, I think it's going to be feed efficiency. That's my opinion. I think that's so financially impactful for dairies. It's the one that's their major cost, and we're really making strides. At, at ST, we have EcoFeed that we're really excited about. You know, that's something we put a lot of uh, financial input into we're doing a lot of work with it and we really feel like that's going to be the next frontier to to drive profitability for dairies i always find this interesting because pete you've been around longer than i have and have a very strong egg and dairy background from the time you started farming to where you are now can you kind of talk through some of the technological advancements that we've had and things you probably thought 30 years ago you'd never see today 
Yeah, it's really crazy. When I was when I was a kid, I milked with in a tie stall forty cows with a bucket milker. Seriously, with a bucket milker. And you know now we're you know seeing these dairies that are just so incredible in so many ways. Whether it's you know their genetics, their cow comfort, it's just amazing what we've done with our dairy and feed the feeding side of it. How that has changed. You know our cow health is never better we've never made more milk per cow as a national herd we've never seen herds making as much milk as they do and their cows are healthier than they have ever been somatic cell counts are low and cows are super healthy and it's exciting to see that so someone that's looking to improve their genetic program what advice do you have for them to get started I, I would say, you know, know what your goals are. That's the biggest thing, right? I mean, you can't be all over the place. You have to really, there is a tremendous amount of data out there, but sit down with somebody, you know, in the genetic world that you trust, that you value their opinion and the advice they're giving you and, and come up with a plan and stick hard to it. But then evaluate, right? I mean, that's that's what we really promote on dairies. Get a plan, stick to it, but evaluate how are we doing are we making progress are we meeting our goals every dairy you go on is a little bit different what they want to do and that makes sense some want to expand some don't you know there's just a lot of different opportunities but we can tailor genetics to to meet that you just really have to know what you want that was insight and expertise from Pete Dupengeiser. He's the Central U.S. Manager for ST Genetics, and he's located out of Fond du Lac. And that's your connection to local agriculture. Thanks for listening. I'm Joanna Guza.